Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now's the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get Uniquely Yours Ultimate, our most complete foolproof plan at an amazing price. Order today and save 50%, plus get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details. Emergency pod numero dos, uh, which I think we had to do because if not, I don't know what you would do with all of your excitement over cashing uh, Brady to the Bucks. So, how are you? Here's my question How are you going to spend all that money on toilet paper? Uh, I think I already spent it on iPads for my girls today. So, <laughs> did they, they know, showed up today? They did show up today. Um, yeah, man, it, it's uh, I think my wife is going to be instantly relieved uh, by by the, uh, you know, the attention givers that are the iPads. You So your big move, having been quarantined for a few days, is to buy iPads for your kids. Mine has been that uh, I I have not really worn like more than three different articles of clothing. <laughs> Like I've worn this same shirt, this same button down shirt for all the camera facing stuff. And then other than that, it's like, what am I even doing here? I feel like a caveman. Yeah, it's been. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly one of those things where you wonder, like, how long you'll be able to, like, uh, you know, get by doing certain things. So conserving food, conserving clothes, all that kind of stuff. Probably smart. I would agree. I haven't been very good at conserving food, though. You know this about me. I can eat far too much. Um, I, let me ask you this. You said you were like, hey, Tampa Bay, it makes a ton of sense. Here are all the reasons why. You've had a chance to think about it. Are you still fully on board with this being the right football move for Tom Brady? Like, was this his best, his optimal path? Uh, 
I don't know. I think so. I mean, we Brady wasn't the wasn't the you know the player. I think that. Uh, you know, New England wanted to move forward with, and I don't think New England was the team that Brady wanted to move forward with. The Chargers, as I said before, like I think there's too much like uncertainty and too much Chargerism to them. Uh, the fact that they, you know, are, just get in their own way too much, and you know, the head coaching position is less stable, uh, you know, than Tampa Bay. So I do think that Tampa was the right choice for him. Um, it, it makes me wonder though, like. I don't think that this makes them the favorite in the NFC South. And so that it, it does present a challenge still for Brady though. Okay. That's my thing. If you didn't go to a place where you're now the favorite in your own division, like how can that be the smartest move? How would the smartest move not have been to go back to new England? If where you're going makes you all of a sudden have to battle just to win your division. Doesn't that seem counterintuitive? Like even if he had gone back to that new England team, as bad as they were, they're still the favorite to win that division, even with the bills doing some nice things, right? Or am I like totally off base? I think that's very sound logic. Yeah, but it's sort of boring, right? I mean, if you're Brady, like every single year you get to 12 wins and you, um, you know, you, win that division you get you usually get a buy it's not that tough and and then at the same time like they're clearly number the number three team in the afc at best um so i don't know really if that if that appealed to him you know what i'm saying i I think if brady were to even get to like let's say the playoffs and a win a division with tampa bay it'd be a much more satisfying endeavor maybe maybe i'm saying like it's it's just probably boring for him to play the AFC East over and over and over again for 20 years. It just doesn't seem like, um, you know, a, a particularly fun, like exercise at this point. Yeah. I, I think the boredom part is probably legit. Like being 40 plus you played in the same place for 20 years and you've dealt with the same. It was interesting. People were all talking about how Bill Belichick, it's hard to play for him for 20 years and all that. And then you look at where he went. It's like Bruce Arians is not like Bruce Arians is a hard ass. Like it's not all of a sudden going to become, you know, this easy road or whatever. That's not what he's looking for, but it's different. And that problem, that like different set of challenges probably rejuvenates him a bit. And I wonder if part of it was like, hey, if I'm going to play till I'm 45, I'm going to play till I'm this old. Maybe I need something that's just different to help me feel young again. Like you, it, you know, even though it's challenging, it makes you feel a little bit younger. I still am pretty dead set that Tampa wasn't the right, the best football fit. And the reason that I think that I'm, I'm actually proven right, even though you won the debate in terms of where he ended up, <laughs> we, we heard that being on the East Coast and the Eastern time zone was a big reason for this. And they were basically the only team aside from the Patriots that had that option. So if he was moving on, that was the only one. But to me, the Los Angeles Chargers still were the far better offense in terms of what he likes to do. He doesn't throw the ball downfield nearly as frequently um, as some other quarterbacks. The Chargers had a more diverse group there. They have a better draft asset. Um, so to, I wouldn't be surprised if he felt the same way and was like, well, no. because my family's going to be in New York, I've got to go to Tampa. 
Yeah, I, I can. I mean, my thing is, is I just every single time. I mean, last season we talked about this, right? Like the Chiefs were minus 150 to win the AFC West. And we were like, why the heck is that? You know, they both finished 12 and four a season ago. And we're like, well, it's the Chargers. It's just always the Chargers. I mean, Brady has seen this firsthand. The 2006 Patriots were absolute garbage compared to normal, and the Chargers were 14 and two. and And Brady throws an interception, and Marlon McCree, instead of just laying down, fumbles and gives them an opportunity to win a playoff game. They fire Marty Schottenheimer after going 14 and two and losing a playoff game, like. And then it it's just over and over and over again. Brady, like two years ago, Brady's Patriots were barely favored against the Chargers in the playoffs, and they go and just dump truck them. Like mm-hmm. I don't, it, Tampa Bay, like at least Tampa Bay has the like respect thing, right? Where like uh, Arians is like, look, I'm a cool guy. I you know. Uh, you know, he can drink Don Perry like with with Brady and like he's got the beret and, he, you know, all this kind of stuff. And there, you know, and the other thing here I think is also true is if Brady. So this is more about Brady not finishing in New England. If Brady fails in Tampa Bay, he's got an out. Right. Which is that, sure. oh, Tampa Bay has been terrible this whole time. Right. Like, I do think that that's another reason why he doesn't want to stay in New England, because if New England were to ever not be good, it would be the it would fall on Brady. Oh, he's washed up shoulders. Right. Whereas mm-hmm. if he goes to Tampa Bay, there's sort of enough variables. And I know this is true about L.A. as well, but he there's enough variables where it's like, well, no, I mean, Brady, he, he can't ask a 43 year old quarterback to increase the stature of this team that much. And and, you know, and I think like he just made a bet, right? He made a bet that in the AFC, like you're not even going to probably sniff the AFC West title in LA. Whereas in the NFC South, there's a better chance that you might win that division. Um, It's a, a, a bet. It's a fun schedule in the sense that you get to play green Bay. You get to play new Orleans twice. You get to play Matt Ryan, twice, all that kind of stuff. And I think that that, that really just played into it. Um, I, I agree with you that it might not be the best football decision given the schemes and all that, but I think that that's overrated too. We all talk about Arian's scheme, but it's like, of course, Arians isn't going to change his scheme for Jameis. Of course, he isn't going to change his scheme for Carson Palmer. You know what I mean? Kelly Holcomb, yeah. like he's going to change his scheme for Brady. You think so? Because I, I don't enough. Yeah, I think so. I, I actually don't think the scheme is that big of a deal. I tweeted this out last night, but Brady Brady is the best intermediate thrower of the football. And that's where Bruce Aaron's scheme attacks. It's not as if it's just like a bunch of long bombs. Like what he likes to do is hit the 10 to 20 yard range. And Brady is the highest graded quarterback over the last five seasons throwing those passes so that that doesn't worry me as much. It's more about the diversity. Like, I just don't think they have as good a receiving core all around. They their top tier Goodwin, uh, Godwin and uh, Evans are much better than what the Chargers have, I think. But overall, I, I like what the Chargers have a little bit more. The scheme doesn't worry me that much, really, with the whole Arians thing. I, I, I just think the Bucks, the Bucks not being the Chargers you know, in the way that the chargers always fail, like the, the bucks don't even get there. Cause they're just such a, like, that's just the way the franchise is, right. They just don't even make it to a place where they can have this kind of epic fail. Here's one of the things I was thinking about too, is everyone's comparing the saints and the chiefs. Like you just did. What about the rest of that division though? Are you more afraid of 
the Raven, uh, sorry, the Raiders and the Broncos or the Falcons and the Panthers. Like, I think you can make a legit argument that the Falcons and the Panthers are the much better three and four team compared to the Raiders and the Broncos. Yeah, sure. I mean, but there's also, I mean, up until yesterday, it, it appeared as though Carolina was tanking, you know, whereas the Raiders and the uh, and the Broncos are not. And in fact, the Broncos appear to try to be winning now, uh, you know, in the sense that they got Jarrell Casey, uh, you know, that acquired it. I acquired AJ Boye for almost nothing as well. Squirt and Sutton's a pretty good receiver. I mean, the fact is, is, uh, you know, the, the chargers were last place in that division in 2019, uh, both Oakland and uh, Denver won seven games, um, Kansas city won 12. So it's not like a really, you know, whereas in the a- NFC South Panthers stunk, Tampa stunk, uh, you know, and Atlanta stunk, uh, whereas new Orleans just kind of like waltzed their way through, um, uh, you, you make a compelling case, but I do think that the AFC West is a little stronger than the NFC South. Ah, fine. Uh, we have some breaking news. We'll get to this in a yeah, second. Yeah. We'll get to this in a second. Um, I, I was, I'm thinking about what Tampa does next and looking at some of the things that they could use some help with. Uh, and it's not as if, I mean, the, the bucks are certainly a talented roster, but I had a couple of, of things that I am thinking about. First off, their offensive line isn't perfect. Their their tackles, you know, they have Donovan Smith at left tackle, but the right tackle is a huge question mark. So do they go out and do they try and sign one of these older tackles who can be kind of had at a bargain um, to come play tackle for them? Or is that what the 14th pick is for? It's what the Ford. Yeah. You think so? Because what if they did this? What if they go out and they sign uh, one of these older tackles, you know, a Whitworth or a Peters or something like that. And then they go, hey, with the 14th pick, you know, what we could really use is a slot receiver. And they go with Justin Jefferson or maybe Henry Ruggs is still there. You know, like, I don't know. Why would you not just go all in on being the most explosive offense you possibly could given that you finally have a quarterback you trust to throw the ball. Yeah, that's fair. I, for sure. And it just depends upon how much that, that, that tackle costs, right? I mean, we've seen uh, Balaga cost 10 million a year, which is a good deal. And we've seen George Fant cost 10 million a year, which is a terrible deal. You know what I'm saying? So the, like they, they'll probably. So the question is, is could they get Bashad Perriman and a tackle in the draft for less than uh, a high end tackle and a wide receiver in the draft? Given that they've already sort of played with Perriman before, they know that he has some skills and the tackle market is sort of like starting pitchers in baseball, where if the, if the guy's a starter, he's being paid an agreed, like Irvin Santana is making 15 mil a year. And you're like, God, he sucks. You know, like, like George Fant, George Fant just got 10 million a year. That I'm right. And that <laughs> like, that's ridiculous. No I mean, self-respecting God. tackle is going to make less than George Fant at this point. DJ Humphrey's got a ridiculous deal. Um, yeah. I actually really liked what, the chargers did with Brian Balaga. And when they made that deal, I sort of thought, Oh, is Brady coming to LA? Like this is a a nice, you know, veteran move who can come in and if he's healthy, you know, play really well. Um, I mean, there's a guy like a Jason Peters or an Andrew Whitworth. 
Andrew Whitworth in particular, you've got to think he's like, man, I, I was so close. Let me go join Tom Brady, the guy that uh, that cost me a Super Bowl ring. I don't know. I, that would seem to make sense. He would play for a year. What I think this does do to that 14th pick, though, is take like we've seen uh, Herbert and Love mocked at 13-14. Now that San Francisco is the carrier of that 13th pick and Tampa Bay has Brady, I really struggle to see how the two quarterbacks go there. Okay. What about this, though? The Chargers. Are the Chargers now sitting there at six being like, we have to make a splash and they go with Herbert at six I, I or, or Jordan Love? That would, how amazing would that be? Yeah, I that that certainly can happen. Um, if I'm a I Chargers fan, I, I'd hope not. But but uh, that that certainly could happen. Uh, I think that the the market, the prop market for number of quarterbacks picked in the top 10 was three and a half, but minus 150 to the under. Um, so minus 250 to the under, I'm sorry. And the so it does look like they're. You know, they're at least thinking that that one quarterback might be taken in the top 10 after Tua and and, uh, and Burrow, uh, but but not two. Uh, and and that that would seem to make sense. Um, what would be I mean, if you're Tampa, do you think with the depth at tackle and depth at wide receiver in this draft, uh, as well as corner, which is another place that they preferred under new uh, defensive coordinator Todd Bowles, do they move back and allow another team to come up and have an appetite for Love or Herbert? That would be, I mean, that's, that's what I'm hoping that the Niners do. That's what I think the Niners would be looking to do. And if they can get, if they can get two guys, right, that's what you need, right? When you have Tom Brady, what are the Patriots done? The Patriots were always built on depth. So you've got to think, Hey, if we're going to try and win a Super Bowl here, depth has got to be a primary concern. I mean, they have the, the superstars on the offensive side of the ball. Is there a move? So, okay. Right now, Let's say you get an opportunity to take the Saints as not the favorite in the NFC South. Say the Bucs are the favorite. You're going to bet the Saints, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they're just better. Sure. And I, I feel the same way. Is there anything within reason that the Bucs could do this offseason where you would go, no, no, the Bucs are supposed to be the favorite in the NFC South. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's, there, it, it's just amounts to putting it together. But the thing is, is you can't make Brady five years younger. Like to me, if Brady's five years younger, you look at that team and you say offensive lines, mostly okay. Receivers are great. Tight end. I mean, we talk about Hunter Henry being awesome and he is, but OJ Howard was drafted ahead of him, you know, in terms of like, he should have a higher projected, uh, you know, uh, productivity than Henry. You look at that defense, Devin white, solid, uh, you know, Jason Pierre, Paul and, and Shaq Barrett are good pass rushers. Vita Vea is a decent all around interior player and they put a decent amount of effort into the secondary. I mean, I guess if, if you, if you were to tell me that they would go out and get Andrew Whitworth and then Chris Harris, right? Okay. Then I would yeah. consider them as a, I would consider them as a, as a maybe co-favorite for the NFC South. To me, it's the, it's, it's Chris Harris. So if you can get Chris Harris and you all of a sudden have the potential to have a a truly elite coverage unit and then with the 14th pick, either you take 
you know, a receiver falls to you or like you just said, you trade down and you get two two picks for the price of one. You create that depth there. You pick up a receiver. You know, maybe there's a, a slot guy like maybe Je- Justin Jefferson falls. Right. And you all of a sudden have Evans, Godwin, Jefferson, Howard. That to me, that team is better than the Saints. I, I think you know, you've got, sure. I love Sean Payton. Sure. I love Drew Brees. I'd rather, I would have rather had Brady than Brees if I was signing one of those QBs. And so to me, that would put them over the top. The tough thing is like, you just have no idea how those guys gel together. Right. Exactly. And again, you can't make, you can't make Brady five years younger. Although Brees has his own issues with age. Um, I, so, so Brees is younger, but I think you can make a legit argument that that Brady is the more spry of the two. Like yeah. if you had if you had to say, hey, wh- which, whose body is in better, like ready to play football for, you know, 20 games shape. It's Brady, not Breeze. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, we've seen less injuries out of out of Brady over the last decade than we've seen out of Breeze. Breeze missed a game. Uh, with a with a shoulder injury in 2015, I want to say that he missed the five games a season ago. Um, so uh, I do think that that might be, uh, yeah, that might be correct. Um, I was gonna say I was gonna say that there's no way Brady loses with that Saints team to Kirk Cousins at home, but he did lose at home to Ryan Tannehill, who was about so. as Kirk Cousinsy as you get, right? The, exactly, which is which is scary. Um, do you think – did you have any big ta- – like Tom Brady goes to Tampa Bay. That was something that w- you would have like gotten laughed out of a bar for a year ago, right, or even five months ago. Is there a big picture takeaway from this where you're like, wow, this is a, a monumental time for the league? Uh, man. I would just say that that we're in a position now where teams are maybe bailing out on quarterbacks far more quickly. Um, And so let's look at some established, quote unquote, established quarterbacks in the NFL and think to ourselves, okay, this is maybe not as established as we think. Right. So so, you know, breaking news, you just alluded to um, Nick Foles has been traded to the Bears, right? Nick Foles is literally signed to a four-year, eighty-something million-dollar deal last year to be the to be the franchise quarterback for the Jacksonville staff, by the Jacksonville way. Jaguars, right? And so he literally lasts five starts, four starts, whatever it was. Um, so okay, so let's think about this. It is probably not out of the realm of possibility that at this time next year, Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins. Tom Brady, uh, Drew Brees, Philip Rivers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, are not playing quarterback for the team they're currently playing for. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, so like we look at Tannehill and we're, and we're all upset that, I mean, we're not all upset, but we're all basically saying, okay, um, you know, the Titans are locked in and, and Kirk Cousins, the Vikings are locked in. But in reality, like what we've seen is that no teams are, willing to bail. And then there are always other teams like the bears that are desperate to trade for a guy like Foles. 
you know. I want to say so. I want to say this is the opening up of the NFL, where all of a sudden the star superstar players are like, we're going to go elsewhere and try new things. And I do think I, I do think if Brady has like a ton of success in Tampa Bay, it could it could spur quarterbacks to take a few more chances and to be like, actually, I'm going to I'm going to try and work my contracts to be shorter so that I have more freedom to go other places. And I'm not like locked into what my you know, what my team is doing. But I really don't I don't think it's going to have a big impact, unfortunately. I, I just yeah. Like, who's the next guy in, in, on this list? Was it Aaron Rodgers? Is Aaron Rodgers going to go, you know, play for the Chargers in, in a few years? Like, that's not happening, right? Well, he's not allowed in the same state as his family for more than like a couple of days. So other than playing against the Chargers, it doesn't seem like that's really in the cards. Uh, yeah. But no, I and so, let, OK, let's even go back a little further. I made fun of Mountain Time Mitch, uh, Drew Locke today. But like, there are <laughs> so other sort of like... There are other, so Josh Allen, Drew Locke, Mitch Trubisky, right? Uh, Mitch Trubisky, you I've seen. Um, Josh Rosen's been a player team. So like there are, there, there are so many franchises I feel like that are less set at the QB position than we thought even two years ago. True. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's really the, that's really where the league is heading is that maybe we're going to see more of a musical chairs. The question becomes, does it move to be more like a league? Like it was 30 years ago where there are multiple quarterbacks on the same team and, and coaches will alternate between them. Cause that's not really where we're like teams. I think their weakness now is they transition from quarterback to quarterback in the off season, but are sort of unwilling to during the season. We've only saw, you know, uh, you know, uh, Jacksonville went back to uh, Foles and he was healthy, but then went back to Minshew and Foles sucked. Uh, you know, the and that to me is like where the, the next thing is with like Jameis Winston and uh, Joe Flacco and Andy Dalton and folks like that is like, who's going to be the next team that's just going to play quarterback by committee type thing, a quarterback, like a hot hand thing, uh, knowing that, you know, if you put all your eggs into one basket at the quarterback position, he might end up being Foles. So should we move on to this this hilarity that is the Chicago Bears? Because we put on our list of things to talk about, like what what should the Bears do at quarterback? And Nick Foles was not one of them. So they traded Foles for what is it a fourth round pick? And it, it appears that, and they have to, and they have to pay a salary. It looks like yeah, right, which is which was remember his salary was quote inflated because. The Jaguars wanted to make sure he earned respect in the locker room. Yep. And, he and that salary was going to earn that respect. Now, that means that Gardner Minshew is totally screwed, right? Because he doesn't have a big, um, you know, doesn't have a big payday. So Austin, Austin Gale just tweeted out this ridiculous credibility in the locker room garbage that the Jaguars put out. Um, is this an upgrade over Mitch Trubisky? I've, I, I think so. <laughs> Like Foles. the fact the fact that you had to think about it though tells you that the Bears were like we can't bring someone in that'll actually supplant Mitch. We've got it. We we can still eke out the greatness that's in Mitch Trubisky by making it a competition, and that's what this is going to be. Because Nick Foles, Nick Foles wasn't better than Gardner Minshew last year, right? Right. So like. 
I, I don't know that this is a necessarily a huge upgrade. Uh, well, I think I think the Bears believe he can be because of the Matt Nagy connection. Because Foles played for the Chiefs in yeah. 2016, he also played for the Eagles in 2012. Both cases, I believe Nagy was with Andy Reid. Um, so there is some connection there, and it. <laughs> It's sort of like he's he's kind of making the rounds much like Chase Daniel through all like the Reed's coaching tree. Um, but, you know, Foles, Foles, at least Foles, at least gives you, I think, somebody who's got a, a who's got some stones. Right. He'll throw the ball downfield. He's got a little bit weirdly of Jameis to him. He oh, and, and like people that. people like. It sounds really dumb, but people actually do like Nick Foles, right? Like people respect him in the locker room. Obviously, he won a Super Bowl as a backup quarterback, which is immense. Um, and the Bears have some players that can make plays, right? Unlike Jacksonville, who it basically had one player, DJ Chark, who can make plays, and John D. Filippo calling plays. Like I do think that there's a, an upgrade for Foles in terms of infrastructure, a- and um, all we all we've seen Mitch in is good infrastructure. And he sucked, you know, so I do think that there's a a decent chance they upgrade here. Um, I it's something I I think the Bears, you know, will probably still compete this year, but not, you know, but it will still ultimately hit their head on the ceiling because neither one of these guys is good enough. Yeah, Uh, I I would have said last year if this move had happened, there's no doubt that Nick Foles is the starting quarterback for the Bears week one. But I can easily, very easily still see Mitch Trubisky trotting out there week one and then having this epic collapse because he knows Nick Foles is waiting in the wings. Foles comes in and it'll be the same thing we've seen from Nick Foles all along, which is first and second down, he's an average to below average quarterback. And then he goes through these like spurts where all of a sudden on third down, fat Alshon Jeffrey is galloping across the middle of the field. Nick Foles takes a spear to the chest and heaves a, you know, a dime and Allen Robinson's going to come down with it. And you'll have like three or four of those plays. Bears fans will think that, you know, they're going to win the Super Bowl and, um, and that's going to be, you know, and then we're going to have to say, actually, he's not playing that well and people will hate us again. But that's the thing. I think that's what the Bears and their fans want, right? The Bears and their fans want another season where they can kind of like, you know, be relevant, um, give themselves something compelling to watch and eventually accumulate these Khalil Mack draft picks back. Right. I mean, that's really because if you go into the season with Mitch, your team is going like at least now you give Mitch an opportunity to win a, a job. And so if he beats out Nick Foles, people are going to be like, oh, they're, they're going to have a little optimism there. And if he doesn't, then you have some optimism because change is better than not change type of thing. So I do think from the perspective of like Bears fandoms and the, and the Bears specifically, this makes sense. I I just don't. I'd, I'd be surprised if they do well, other than the fact that the NFC is probably going to be a little down, like Minnesota is going to stink. Uh, Detroit's probably going to stink. And the yep. Packers are not as good as I think their 13 and three record was a season ago. Sorry, Aaron. <laughs> well, I, yeah. I, you know, the, the real, what this should highlight 
is how bad it is to trade first round picks for a star defensive player when you don't know about your quarterback. And one of the things that we were told consistently by everyone was, oh, it doesn't matter. If you have a young quarterback, you've just got to go all in. And the response is being young does not make you great. Right. And Mitch Trubisky showed no signs of being great. Right. He didn't even have like one season or three games or, or five games. He didn't even have a Sam Darnold end of the season of being great. Right. And we saw that Sam Darnold came back to earth super quickly. So when you go make that huge investment, you're now sitting here at a time where you'd probably love an opportunity to have a first round pick. Right. Where you could make a move in a quarterback direction. Yeah. You can't. You can't. And so then you end up with Nick Foles, right? You have Khalil Mack and you're now you've got Khalil Mack. You invested two first round picks and a ton of money for, and your quarterback is a journeyman. Yeah. Speaking. Okay. So a little bit of more breaking news that might shed light on why Brady decided not to go to the chargers. Uh, the chargers have signed Linval Joseph to a two year, $17 million deal. <laughs> At least they can stop the run now, George. This means so this tells you that Cam Newton is on his way to the Los Angeles Chargers. You can just see this coming from a mile away. They're going to run the ball, uh, you know, 57 percent of the time. It's going to be Cam Newton power. He's going to overthrow poor little short Austin Eckler on like 15 swing passes over the course of the season. It's going to be brutal to watch. And uh, Linball Joseph's going to stop the run. <laughs> what a terrible. Oh, man. They are so confusing. What do you think happens to Cam Newton? Uh, well, I was going to say Bears, but now, okay, here's a, okay, let's run this down a little bit. What, where are the starting positions? Where are the starting quarterback positions still open? Because I think that there's some, there's some confusion here. There's New England, right? Yep. Los Angeles Chargers. Correct. And now Cincinnati nominally. Miami, sort of. Miami, sort of, right? Like, so so those are the places where Newton could go. I think among those, it's probably still best for him to go to the Chargers. I think it's, I, I don't, I almost feel like it's Chargers or bust. Do you think New England would would tolerate his sort of inaccuracy? Is really a question. Because like with like take Jameis here. Jameis there is not Jameis throws picks. That's his issue. I'm going to tell you two things about Cam Newton that the Patriots are not putting up with. His inaccuracy from a throwing the football down the field perspective, and inaccuracy from a I show up to the stadium in a fucking costume. Every time, like the Patriot way is over here and Cam Newton is over here. Like it is. That is just not I'm just telling you right now, that's not going to work. I I would see Jameis Winston actually fitting in kind of nicely with like Jameis Winston, by all accounts, is a guy that works pretty darn hard, is a student of the game, you know, all those things. And probably would fit better with the football side of the Patriot way for the Patriots off the like in the locker room kind of deal on the field is a totally different story. 
I don't think that the Miami Dolphins are in a space where they should be like, let me take a shot on a guy who was an MVP, you know, four years ago and hope he come. That's not what they're trying to do. Right. Yeah. They're not trying to rejuvenate Cam Newton's career right now. So I, I got I really think it's Chargers or bust. And for the Chargers, they, they're sitting there going, do we want Justin Herbert putting people in the seats or Cam Newton? Right. Well, and and the thing is, is Herbert. I mean, Herbert's just not an inspiring character, right? Like Tua, I think, is an inspiring character. Burrow, Herbert just doesn't. I mean, like, if my team drafts Justin Herbert, I don't know, man. I'm I'm kind of like, I'm kind of kind of sell a little bit. I think if I if if I'm you know in the in the in the excitement business, right? So true. New, Newton might actually be able to sell some excitement, and. I, you know, to me, that's worth a decent amount. Um, here's a, here's a team. And I think we talked about this internally. What about Buffalo? Like does Buffalo is certainly not a place where a superstar like Newton could go, but Buffalo is a place where a player like Jameis Winston could go. Yeah, that's a great question. So if you're Jameis Winston and you have no chance at a which is starting which to job. me is unreal when you lead the league in passing yards. Okay, and, but and and throw thirty. I mean, yes, he threw thirty picks, but like that, that's noise, right? I mean, like Philip Rivers through has has more twenty interception seasons than than uh, Winston does. True. Here, here's what I think about Winston, and I actually think this makes a lot of sense. If the Miami Dolphins are sitting there and they're going, how can we, we talked about this yesterday as well. How can we play both sides? How can we play the, Hey, let's bring a guy in who just maybe still, we don't know enough about, but at the same time, we're still in a spot where we haven't invested too much. We can still tank. Jameis Winston is that guy. And the dolphins, you, you talked about this. The Dolphins are not that far away. Like the Dolphins with Jameis Winston. Okay. I'm just going to say it right now. The Dolphins with Jameis Winston, uh, I think would win that division. Okay. I don't hate it. They have the fifth pick. They also have Devontae Parker. Who's like a, who's like a Jameis receiver. Yes. What if, Okay, so think about this. What if they take Jameis and um, and all of a sudden a team falls in love with Justin Herbert, has to get in front of the Chargers? They can trade pick five. It could be like five first-round picks. That's what I, yeah. They just signed Byron Jones. I'm, I'm going to go bet on it right now, I think. So that defense now has Kyle Van Noy, Byron Jones. They got rid of Rashad Jones. But yeah, I mean, they, they have some talent, right? Absolutely. And they were, they were so abysmal defensively, you know, and that's going to regress. Plus, Tannis, plus uh, Fitzpatrick and Jameis are like boys, right? Like they played for the same team for like two years. So I don't know. It seems, it seems to make too much sense that the Miami Dolphins would have Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston a couple seasons after the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had both of those guys. Um, I would, I would buy an aqua blue 
uh, aqua, whatever color that is, Jameis Winston jersey, if he went to the Dolphins? You would have to. You'd I have, have to. to. Every single Sunday. I mean, you'd, you'd love to see it. Maybe Neil would become a Dolphins fan again. God, you and Neil both rooting for Jameis Winston would be pretty pretty intolerable. Uh, to me, that's how it has to end up. The, the Chargers probably can wait for Cam Newton or trade like a fifth round pick if even they need to trade that for him because there's no leverage anymore. He goes to Los Angeles. The Chargers do this weird try to win now thing that flames out massively um, because Cam Newton's not a very accurate thrower of the football and the strength of that that team is their receivers. Um, and then Jameis goes to Miami and the Miami Dolphins go from worst to first in that division. Here's another th- uh, thought I had, which won't happen because it seems like there's an irrational love for a former BYU quarterback, not named Steve Young, not named Jim McMahon, <laughs> not named Ty Detmer. I see where you're um, going. I think New Orleans is a great destination for one of these quarterbacks who is not going to get a starting spot. Uh, Jameis? I mean, maybe not Jameis, but like, I don't know. Think about it. Like, like could, yeah. Like what if, what if Jameis, Jameis went there? Yeah. Um, Like, like it's not, it's at some point in time, this, this, like Breeze is going to get hurt and miss two games and they're going to have to lean on Taysom Hill to play every snap for two games. And he's going to implode. And at that, at that point, maybe it's not this off season. Maybe it's the next off season, but like I could see one of these, like let's say Josh Allen, Mitch Trubisky, one of these failed first round picks will go and be a backup for Sean Payton and possibly like become good or just like try to revive, revive their career um, under, under his tutelage. Like, I think like that's a sneaky spot now that Bridgewater's gone. Yeah. I, I, that is a really good call. I'm trying to think of other places where a backup would have, I mean, Dallas is another one. It's not clear that Dak is the, is going to be able to agree to a long-term deal. What, what if he just went back to Tampa Bay (laughs) and learned under Tom Brady and like all of a sudden in two years, he could be like, you know what? I threw 30 interceptions and then I, Tom taught me how to avoid the interception. People yeah. would buy into that so quickly. I, I don't hate that. I mean, yeah, I think, I think, by I think that that is, is our cue to move on to different positions okay. at this point. Um, here, here's what I was going to ask you, uh, to talk about some moves that haven't happened yet. Like what, you know, there's a few players out there that um, can still be had. We talked about Chris Harris jr. There's obviously Jadavian Clowney who hilariously has not been signed to like a monster deal yet, despite that huge hit that he had at Michigan. Um, that of course is still, still, that's still like the main reason people like Jadavian Jadav- Clowney. Jadavian Clowney and Gautier one hit wonders. <laughs> Gautier is on a different level than Jadavian Clowney. That song will live forever. Um, Robbie Anderson. So like if you, if you're thinking about one, you know, Emmanuel Sanders still out there, a move that hasn't happened yet um, where you, you go maybe in January, this matters. Well, we've, we've had Robbie Anderson to, 
I think like the Bengals was one of the one we talked about, although they spend a ton of money on Trey Waynes and DJ reader. So maybe that's not in the cards. Baltimore might be another spot. Um, I've, we, we said Bashad Perriman is going to be a player that I think is going to help a team. Um, and he thus far has not uh, been signed. I don't think so, you know, kind of all, you know, a lot of wide receivers, like people are, I think people are, I think overreacting to how good the wide receiver uh, draft class is. By not and, signing these guys. And not yeah. signing. Yeah. Like somebody, somebody was rumoring that the Vikings would trade Anthony Harris to move up from 22 to 10. And I'm like, do you really think that the, that the difference between T Higgins and CD lamb is that big? Like, all these people are like super sure about this receiving draft. And I'm like, so you guys are kind of, you you guys are kind of overstepping your bounds. Like, like, wouldn't you rather, I mean, Robbie Anderson's going to be more of a sure thing, I think, than any of these draft picks, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe not as high upside, but more of a sure thing. Sanders very much as well. Um, Paramin too, at what they're going to be asked to do. It just seems to me like, you know, they're taking the wide receiver draft class way too seriously. So, I mean, I could see like, obviously the Ravens have made some moves here. Um, maybe one more for somebody like Anderson would be one that I would expect relatively soon. Yes. I, I like what the Ravens have done so far. And that was one that, that I think sticks out. Another one would be the Vikings who just traded away their, their best receiver and they don't have a chance. Yeah, I, that's true. Um, but maybe they can get one of these guys on a, on a pretty small deal, given that there's not a ton of, um, you know, not a ton of interest out there. Chris Harris Jr. to the to the Buccaneers makes a ton of sense. Um, here's a move that has nothing to do with free agents. And I just I was just curious, you know, how many uh, years Deshaun Watson has left on his deal? Well, no, he's going into year four, right? So he has right. a year plus the possibility of the, well, they're obviously going to have fifth year option him. Yes. If, uh, if he makes it that far. What would it, what would it take if the dolphins go, Hey, Deshaun, maybe go into to GM Bill O'Brien's office and tell him, you know, the whole thing he did with trading away my number one. Well, no, he doesn't even have to season. do that. He doesn't even have to, he doesn't even have to ask for a trade. He just has to walk in and say, Hey man, uh, here's my one kid's mom. Here's my <laughs> other kid's mom. And here's my third kid's mom. And by the time he finishes that third phrase, he's out of there. He's going to, he's going to the dolphins for the 36th pick or whatever they have in the second round. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm just saying, it, you know, we talked about how we don't think, Brady leaving is like some macro, you know, power move. And, and I don't think it is, but Deshaun Watson saying, screw this. I'm out of here. That would be a power move. I actually think he's got Deshaun Watson has the clout, you know, like everyone respects him so much that if he came out and was just like, no, like screw this. I want out of here. I do not think it would hurt his image. It would people would try to disparage it, but I don't think it would. And that would that would really, I think, set the league on edge. Here's a question. 
because Bill O'Brien, I mean, and Bill O'Brien's a, a fan of us and you know, obviously a client and we don't like to say bad things about these people all the time, but there's, you know, with the, with the news that came out today, there's a significant chance that he might not be retained as the GM and head coach of the Houston Texans. Right. I mean, there's a legitimate yeah. shot that that might be the case. <clears throat> if you were to take over the Houston Texans, what would be the quickest way to contention now that, I mean, other than pushing the, the, the dump button on the trade of Hopkins, right? Which is what I would do, but you can't probably. Would it be to trade Watson to the Dolphins for two of the first round picks this year and just start completely over and say to, and say to yourself, look, like I have, you know, be like John Lynch and say, I have a five-year contract and my coach has a five-year contract and we're just starting over. I don't. Or, or I don't. is it to let it ride with Watson, who's good enough and, you know, actually very good, right? And, and um, you know, he has some faults. He's probably not a top five guy, but very good. Like those are your two options. And I do think that there's a there's a probab- there's a uh, probability that that first set of circumstances is the right choice. I'm not saying it is. I'm saying it's not. It's not something I'd laugh off. I, and I'm not laughing at all. But the risk. So you already have a quarterback. You, I believe that you can win a Super Bowl with Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. So if I, I have a quarterback where I go, I can win a Super Bowl, and I'm not one of those guys that's like, I can win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins. I'm not fucking delusional, right? But if I have a guy where he's capable of being a top five guy in any given year, and that's kind of what you need, right, to have a legit shot at the Super Bowl, then I'm not trading him. Um, I think the moves would be right now. I would be thinking how much depth can I, can I get on this team? Right. How much depth can I put in my defensive backfield? There's a lot of bargain wide receivers here. I'm going to go sign one. I'm going to draft one. I'm not going to be in a situation where Will Fuller goes down and that tanks my entire offense. Right. Um, and I'm going to work on establishing a quick passing game that that helps take some of the hits away from Sean Watson. Because, hey, guess what? We might not be contending this year because I just traded away a top three fucking receiver in the game. Right. Um, and, and you're totally right. Like the, the tough thing about this is by all the, the measurements that we have mathematically, that was an absolutely unforgivable trade. Bill O'Brien, by all accounts, on hard knocks, right, is like a a nice guy, does a lot of great things, you know, has a cares about his family and all these things. So it's hard to disparage a guy like that. And it seems like DeAndre Hopkins kind of said, hey, that conversation getting a little overblown. So I'm not even going to worry about the conversation he had with DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. And I would and I and. I'm going to say this when it first came out, I originally thought to myself, this is an, this is a, in a stupid perverted way, a way to save face for making a really stupid football decision. You see what I'm saying? Like if you can just, if you can spread the blame, Hey, look, it's, I'm partly a dumb football guy and I'm partly a dumb, like interaction with other humans guy. Then maybe like you, you share the wealth of like, right. You know what I'm saying? Like that was my original thought was like, oh, you're deflecting from, you know, this, this one decision. It does look like here's a, so Ian Rappaport's reporting right now 
by the way, speaking of quarterbacks, Tyra Taylor will be the starter for the, for the chargers in 2020. Wow. <laughs> so that whole segment, we'll just have to cut that whole segment. Well, no, it's, um, it's fun. To, it's fun discussion. Yeah. Uh, wow. So do you think, okay. So if they say that, then what they're doing is they're saying, Hey, look, we're not, they're letting the whole league know we're not going after, um, Cam Newton. We're holding the point of attack with Linville Joseph. Are they also trying to say that they're not taking a quarterback at that pick? Cause you've taught, you've said this a ton, right? All of these signs are pointing to no one likes Justin Herbert that much. No one likes Jordan love that much. Um, I say, I think this is the exact opposite. It's okay. That's what I think too. I, I mean, I think this is because Taylor was the, the Browns quarterback when they took Mayfield, yeah, you know, the, and, the, and Taylor. So I think this is more of uh this is more of, okay, we're going to select a QB at the, in the, and so, but if they don't like either guy, they could also say, come and get that pick then and give us yep. some more picks. Um, Cause I, I don't think Herbert or love are any good, but I also don't think they're that much different than each other. So like if you, if somebody comes up to six and gets Herbert and you get the 11th pick and you take love, there's not really much of a difference except for the fact that you got some value uh, by virtue of moving back. Okay. Can I, can I say something here? Yep. I think the chargers can, can compete with Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor, where have we seen Tyrod Taylor play football? Uh, Buffalo. It's terrible. Okay. Buffalo with who at receiver? Uh, Zay Jones. Okay. We saw, we saw poor Tyrod Taylor try and play with a totally terrible Buffalo Bills offense. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, it wasn't awful. It wasn't great either. Right. He's not he doesn't have a ton of accuracy, but he didn't have an opportunity to, like, show off his skills. Right. Then he goes to Cleveland. Dumpster fire. Okay, so so far we have Buffalo with nothing. Cleveland on fire. And then he goes to Los Angeles. This is by far the most talented receiving core that he'll have ever played with by miles. They have. Um, they have a poor offensive line, but he's one of the guys that could actually get away from some of that pressure and scramble for positive yardage. He also has guys that can attack each level of the field. Like to me, this might be them saying, we've seen this guy do it in practice for a while. We're going to give him a shot. Well, and the fact is, is with this coronavirus situation, they're not going to get in a lot of off season. So if they bring in a new player, like he's there's a good chance he's not going to be able to acclimate fast enough. And so and the similar thing with, you know, with with Foles and Nagy and those guys, like there's some value, I think, in familiarity. No, I, and he was not. It, I need to pull up the numbers for this. and I, I will after this, but um, he, he threw the ball deep. Not very well, like that was. If I remember correctly, he was more uh, he was more accurate in that intermediate range. Yeah. Right. More in, yep. more accurate in that kind of the, the short, um, short low areas of the field. And that's where like Keenan Allen owns that space. Like he'll, he, he's going to have a guy that's always open and 
to me, that could be a huge, a huge difference for this guy. I'm not sure this isn't just a really shrewd move on accident happening for the Los Angeles Chargers. I don't know. I'm kind of excited. I'm bullish. Well, they're they're not. I mean, we make fun of the Joseph move, but they've made a decent number of plays in this offseason so far to, I think, stabilize the franchise. Sort of ask yourself, because honestly, the, the issue when you have a franchise quarterback that's been there forever is to figure out if how much of the team depended on them, that guy. Right. You look at Big Ben in, in Pittsburgh. We found out a season ago that you know, that team can win eight games without him, right? They're not that like, whereas with rivers, it's like that team oscillated up and down. We, we think rivers is brilliant. He's probably going to make the hall of fame, but like how much did that, you know, it's might be, it might be good for this franchise to play a season out without, you know, play a season without him and was sort of more of a caretaker quarterback and find out really what they have. I don't think this is a given that they now go quarterback round one. All right, let's do let's finish this out with some quick um, teams that so far we like the moves they've made on balance and ones that they uh, ones that we really dislike. Um, I will I will go first here. My big winners are as follows. Uh, The Cardinals, the 49ers, um, the Bills. And I also put. The uh, I put the Patriots down here because I don't think they're I don't think it's nearly as bad for the Patriots as people want to make it out to be. I think they're going full tank mode. And you have to at some point, right? I mean, there, there's really no the, the transition was never going to be smooth, right? What after the Garoppolo left, there was never really a natural transition. And so this is probably the best course of action for them to take. Um I agree with all of those. Uh, the only one that's a little worrisome for me is Buffalo because they can solve all the problems. And until they solve quarterback, it's never yeah. going to be a fully containable thing. But yeah, um, I don't hate that. Um, all right. Let me think for. Uh, I kind of like what Cleveland's doing. Really? I kind of so, like. Tell me, because they were they were up on my list of losers. Well, so I like the, I like the Luan signing. Um, okay. I like, I like, you know, letting Schobert go. I like letting Kirksey go um, because linebackers don't matter that much. I like not, you, you mean, you mean Conklin, right? Conklin. Sorry. I, yeah. I keep saying Luan when I mean Conklin. Um, so yeah. And offensive line was a spot where we had them mocked at tackle at 10. And I still think tackle is probably a position for them to go with as I look at, you know, doing that. Um, but they're not making these like huge splashes in free agency other than, you know, that. And, and I think that's good. I don't think, you know, they did trade for a fullback, which is a little bit troublesome. Um, yes. But as far as, as far as like, you know, putting, you know, some, putting some players uh, around Austin, Coop, Austin Hooper as well. Like, I think that they're at least like taking Mayfield on his rookie deal and saying to him, okay, like we're going to at least you we're, we're going to try to puff you up here a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think that Austin Hooper for that is just like, it's like burning money. And I am always wary of teams that do that where it's like, okay, I get that it's not a lot of money in a vacuum, but you're just, it's just stupid. It's like, don't pay Austin Hooper a run of the mill, tight end, top of the league, tight end money. That's just stupid. Um, yeah, but Conklin- tight end, tight end is not, tight end is not a, 
uh, a, a position where there's a lot, there's not 32 starting tight ends in the NFL. I think that's the tricky part is that there's, and Baker and that offense is a 21 personnel offense that throws the ball to the middle of the yeah. field of that player. And that to me, like that's why overpaying for Hooper. And I agree that it's an overpay, but if your offense is going to require a tight end or two, um, it's not the worst deal I've ever seen is, is especially with Conklin there to sort of help out, you know, uh, I thought he he was relatively cheap for what they you know could have ended up paying for him, given what fans and all these other players guys got. Sure, I, I liked the the Coughlin signing, even though there are some red flags there. Uh, here are my my big losers, biggest losers: the Houston Texans, um, the Minnesota Vikings, the Tennessee Titans, and the Indianapolis Colts. Any of those that you really disagree with? No, I think the Minnesota Vikings are one of the most perplexing teams in the NFL right now. They're only going to get worse with the signing of Dalvin cook and the trading of Anthony Harris, which appears to be happening relatively soon. Um, it makes zero sense. I would say another, um, yeah, that th- those are good. Those are good names. I'm trying to think of, uh, I'm trying to think of another team. Um, that could have used some help. Yeah. I think the New York jets overpaying for George mm. Fant, yeah. re-signing, re-signing Brian pool after one good year, uh, despite what we know about coverage. Um, but the, the team to me that like really failed is the Bengals. Oh, interesting. Like Trey Wayne's getting the same contract as Marcus Peters is an absolute overpay DJ yeah. reader making 12 million a year to be kind of a fat nose tackle. Who's like, kind of like a poor man's Linval Joseph is again, not a good move. Um, the fact that they had to franchise tag AJ green and couldn't resolve something with him uh, is, is, is a troublesome one. Um, and it doesn't look like so far that they've gotten any better on the offensive line. So that to me, I think the hometown Bengals deserve a little bit of ripping. Okay, there you go. We will be back tomorrow. Uh, our schedule, our normally scheduled podcast, uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Um, we'll do all the normal stuff. I've got some fun um, working out during quarantine stories for you. Um, Same. Actually, yeah. it's raining cats and dogs in Cincinnati right now. So, okay, it's uh, it's actually it was raining in Palm Springs this morning. So, um, we're like brothers today. Anyways, um, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Eric, stay safe. Have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now's the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get Uniquely Yours Ultimate, our most complete foolproof plan at an amazing price. Order today and save 50%, plus get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details. You started as an RN, caring for one patient at a time. But now you're being called to help more patients more often. 
by earning your master's in nursing leadership and healthcare systems degree online from Grand Canyon University, you could become a leader responsible for staff development and patient care outcomes. What do you think making a difference in healthcare looks like? GCU offers over 175 high-quality online programs like this one. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.